This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. Hello and welcome to Marketing Trends. This is producer Ben Wilson. Today's episode features an interview with Heidi Malin. Heidi is the CMO of Workfront. She has more than two decades of senior marketing leadership and has served as a CMO more than five times. On this episode, we talk with Heidi about what it takes to come in and be successful as a new CMO. We also talk about positioning, how to discover great talent and build great teams, how to streamline work management, and much more. Enjoy. Marketing Trends is brought to you by Salesforce Pardot, B2B marketing automation on the world's number one CRM. Are you ready to take your B2B marketing to new heights? With Pardot, marketers can find and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI. Learn more by visiting pardot.com slash podcast, or click on the link in our show notes. Here is your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, Chief Content Officer here at Mission.org, and we have on the, actually in the East Bay, on the, uh, on, uh, through the tunnel, Heidi, what's going on? Hi, how are you? Things I are am... good on the East, in the East Bay today. Things are always good in the East Bay. For those of you, we we have listeners in 129 or so countries. And uh, for those of you who have never been to the Bay Area, I hopefully one day you make it and check out our beautiful East Bay because it's great. And it's not unlike the wonderful opportunity that we have today. I'm so excited to talk to you about a bunch of different things. Uh, We're going to talk about taking over a team. We're going to talk about developing a category. We're going to talk about that mom really does know best um, and all of that. But first, how did you get into marketing? I actually started in marketing what feels like a million years ago. I joined an advertising agency in Palo Alto, California. And that advertising agency focused on technology companies. And at that time, technology was not the cool space to be in. You know, you wanted to work on a big brand. And so I had the opportunity to really learn from the ground up how technology businesses work. I had a specific focus in software and, uh, and I really found that I enjoyed it. And, um, and so that's how I got started. I spent about seven years on the advertising agency side, working on a variety of different clients, the majority of those that were in the software industry. And you joined Workfront in 2018. I'm curious, what what was the reason that you saw a really cool opportunity with, uh, with this company? Well, the first reason is that I had been a Workfront customer. So I was the CMO at a company called Plex Systems, headquartered in Detroit, Michigan. And we brought Workfront in to help manage our digital work processes. And so I'd seen the power of the tool and we really brought the tool in to help us with our, our creative team. And I watched Workfront expand out to our entire marketing team and then frankly out to our education services and professional services teams. And so I'd seen the power of the Workfront platform. And um, so that was really the first reason The second reason was the CEO who had recently joined Workfront, a gentleman named Alex Schutman, is someone that I've worked with before. And he and I worked together at Eloqua, 
and we worked very well together. And uh, so he, he called me and he said, what do you think about coming to work at Workfront? And so it was really both a combination of understanding the product and the power of the Workfront platform and seeing that inside an organization. And then it's always great to work with people that you've worked with before. And Alex and I work very well together, and it was a great opportunity to join a company that was at a really interesting stage from a growth perspective. So for those of our listeners who, who don't know what Workfront does, yeah, tell us, tell us what, what you're working on. So Workfront is really a modern work management platform, and it helps companies actually manage their work inside their organization, centralize their projects manage digital work processes, do review and approvals. And so if you think about it, most companies have a system of record for their finances, for example, that's going to be NetSuite, Oracle, for example. They have a system of record for their customers. That's going to be their CRM system, likely Salesforce. A system of record for HR, that's going to be likely a workday, for example. But companies really don't have an operational system of record for their work. And when you step back and you think about where does your work live, it lives in a variety of different places. It might live in some small productivity tools. It might live in Excel. It might live in PowerPoint. It might live in Slack or email. And so what Workfront does is it's a platform that helps companies really streamline their work and their digital work processes. So that's what Workfront does. And so what does the kind of like buying profile look like for that? It seems like it could be a lot of different folks within the organization. Yeah, so we have a deliberate focus on a number of different use cases, if you will. Um, Marketing is certainly one of those use cases. And we see many of our customers start working with Workfront on a marketing team where they're going through a digital transformation process and they have to figure out how to work inside their organization and streamline how work gets done. And so we'll land likely in a marketing department. Sometimes we'll land in an IT organization, for example. We can also land in new product development. Anytime that a business needs to manage large levels of workload. The other thing that's really important about our tool is when you think about a marketing team inside a financial services organization, for example, they have compliance and regulatory issues that they have to abide by. And so having a system that pulls together all their work helps with the audit process, for example. You know, when you're selling to that type of profile, like what does marketing look like? Are you doing ABM? Are you doing you know, certain types of AI type personalization? Are you doing kind of a lot of real time stuff? Like what does it, what does it look like to, to get in front of these folks that are potentially, you know, extremely busy business folks that kind of need to upgrade the entire company's workflow? Well, when companies have challenges with how they manage their projects internally, large scale projects in marketing, for example, when they need a single location where all their work can live. When I think about my job as a CMO, I really have three major areas that I focus on. I focus on the strategic planning and cascading goals to my team. I focus on the budget that is aligned to those goals. 
And then the work, the actual projects that are going on, the programs that are going on to ensure that we're managing within our budget and we're also sticking to our goals and strategy. And so when I think about how Workfront fits into that, Workfront really is the central location for all of our work and marketing. So our Workfront implementation is integrated to Salesforce. It's integrated mm -hmm. to our marketing automation platform, which is Marketo. And so when you think of Marketo as your marketing automation platform, where you're going to do ABM, for example, you need a place where all of the work is being tracked. So when it's done and you're actually pushing it out, it's going out through your Marketo system. But how does that work get done? And so looking at marketing as an opportunity to ensure that all of your business processes are connected. If you haven't centralized your work process, especially today with work being all digital, you're really missing a big piece. Yeah. And you've been a CMO multiple times. You've been around a few companies that have, you know, exited to larger companies this time around, did you have a certain playbook? Did you have a certain mindset or mental model that you used when you came into the role? Like you talked about being able to do those three things. Was this something that you kind of learned over time? What was your what was your thought process going into the role? Well, I definitely have a mindset going into any role. And one of the things that I've learned over the years is that I love focusing on growth challenges and really getting in at companies that are having to transform in order to grow. And so if you look at my background and you look at some of the companies that I've been involved with, they've been category creating companies and they've been high growth companies. And so that's something certainly that's very interesting to me about Workfront. We're really blazing new trails as companies are transforming digitally, figuring out how, what is their operational system of record how are they going to centralize their work is one of those challenges that companies face. And so category creation is certainly an exciting part of it. But I also really like to be in a CMO role with a company that is focused on growth because that's when the CMO can be most, most strategic and have the greatest impact on a business. And so that, yeah, and that was certainly my mindset. Yeah, and I want, to, I, I want to talk about the developing and category piece, something we talk about a lot on the show. And it's something that you've been able to work on in your career. Is there some sort of like way that you look at category development um, in terms of aligning, you know, senior leaders, the CEO, other stakeholders, aligning the board, aligning people around this, getting everyone on the same page before you go and, and, and kind of look at either launching a category or refining the one that you're in? Yeah, I certainly think it has to start with messaging and positioning. So one of the things that we did when I first joined Workfront is we really went through a pretty significant positioning exercise. And that to me is really important to align the company in the same way. And uh, especially when you're, when you're in an emerging category like we are, it's really important that everyone stay on the same page. And so that's a, an important foundational piece of 
category creation. I wish there was like a magic list, like do these five things and you'll create a category and it'll all be perfect. That's not necessarily how it goes. But I do think that there are really important areas that you have to focus on in order to create a category. One of those areas is on the influencers and analysts in that community. And so that's a major component of our strategy going forward is to ensure that we're partnering, we're engaging, and that we're listening to the core analysts that help to define the category over time. Yeah. The second piece that's just so critical is understanding the role that the customers play in that category creation. So as we think about becoming a modern work management platform and that emerging category, we have to have customers that can demonstrate that today. Those customers that are at the forefront of digital transformation in their company and that have adopted this concept of having an operational system of record for their business. And so being able to cultivate those customer stories those use cases and those relationships become really important. And so I would say the analysts and influencer community are really important in category creation and probably the most important component is customers. I want to go back to the positioning piece. What were the things that you did in that positioning exercise in terms of getting everyone on the same page and walking through that? Because I think especially, you know, we, we talk about on the show that like when you're getting sick of your message, that's when it's probably starting to hit your, your prospects. Was there some amount of like in that conversation, you know, Hey, is this worth it? Like, what are we doing? You know, maybe sales is like, uh, why do we need to be doing this? Or maybe the board is like, Hey, this doesn't matter. Was there, was there some amount of pushback to that positioning exercise? Not pushback necessarily. Everyone thinks it's a great idea. However, The positioning exercises that I have been involved in that have not gone well are the ones that are just marketing led. And it's like, oh, the marketing team, they'll take care of that. Yeah, yeah, Um, totally. Really, it's positioning and developing a brand platform is all about the company. Generally, it's led by a marketing team. But frankly, it has to have engagement from across the company in order for it to become real. And so that to me is really, really important and having a storyline that the entire company participates in developing and ensuring that all functions across the business have input into that is really critical. And they see that as their job as well, not an interesting project that the marketing team is working on. And so to me, it's really foundational to engage the entire company in that exercise. And that means it's hard. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's it's an important insight that the CMO needs to be the one, you know, holding the dry erase marker in front of the board, not necessarily the one who has a, you know, has a slide up with, hey, here's what we're going to do. Because I think, you know, a lot of times- Yeah. I mean, people just, you know, how the CEO sees the brand, especially if you have co-founders that have been there for a long time. And like, there's a lot of emotional baggage that comes with like, you know, or, or where we want to be in 10 years versus where we are now. Like, are you 
preaching to the product roadmap or are we talking about in real time? What are we actually selling on the ground? Those sort of things, like you're going to have 10 answers from 10 different people. And if you don't kind of acknowledge that all of those people have a difference of opinion on this, like people aren't going to kind of really be able to, to buy in. Yeah, and that's exactly right. And one of the things that that I believe is I believe that part of my job is that chief dot connector, if you will. And that if I stood up in front of the executive team and the board and said, okay, this is the positioning answer, I could not have come up with it on my own. It's really about engaging the rest of the functions of the company and making sure that we connect all the dots. And so, you know, we went through a pretty significant process of rolling out our positioning. We did an update to our overall brand as a part of that. And we made it a company exercise, not a marketing exercise. Can I say you also have one of the coolest logos with the lion head? It's just so sweet. <laughs> well, we love that the icon of the lion is really symbol of leadership and courage. Yeah. And that's a really important part, especially when, you know, our customers are changing the way their businesses work fundamentally. And so they're doing that with a level of leadership and courage. And so to me, it's really representative of core components of our brand. Yeah. And I think that when you're selling a product like that, that is truly leading organizations through change, you know, like it reminds me of the, my college class at West Point leading organizations through change, like the vast majority of it is really like fighting the change. So if you're talking about like the implementation piece of this as being, you know, a whole company implementation or maybe starting with one, you know, one business function, but potentially an extremely large business function, like, you know, an IT organization that could be a thousand people, for example, you know, you're talking about a massive, a massive overhaul of how things are done. That's exactly right. And one of the things that we find with our customers. So Workfront has about 3,000 customers and our champions inside our customer organization, they build their careers based on their leadership with Workfront. And yeah. so one of the things that we, we highlighted in May of this year at our customer conference, which is called Leap, um, we highlighted some of those customers and the promotions that they've received because they've driven successful change inside their organization through Workfront. Um, and that's the coolest thing to see because if our platform can not only help our customer companies be more successful, but can also help people do their best work, we win. Yeah. And I love that you said that and it, it is such a critical piece for marketers to have empathy around is like so many times when you're buying a software like this, you are putting your entire like reputation and your career on the line at that moment in time. Like if you implement something that's in a 1000 person IT organization and it fails, you're probably not going to have a lot of institutional capital left to, uh, to stick around. It's just not going to happen. That, that is exactly right. And so that is one of the things that we love to talk to our customers is about, about is that they're literally blazing new trail in how their company works. It's fun to watch those stories and those individuals and the impact that they've had on their organizations. I want to talk about messaging the category. I, I started touching on it, but I, 
I want to get into the nitty gritty of, you know, where you are now and messaging the current product stack versus messaging the new messaging, you know, doing those in parallel tracks, doing those together. I'm curious to kind of your take on this. And then uh, you also just launched a podcast, the Done Right podcast, which I encourage our listeners to check out, which we will definitely dive way into in a little bit. Um, I'm curious if that was part of this overall positioning and, and category creation and evangelization around what you're trying to do with modern work reimagine absolutely is deliberate. And we tend to think about the category evolution in a couple of different big phases. Today, we see digital transformation happening inside of businesses, largely at the departmental level. So it's happening in one department at a different time than it's happening in another department. So we see that digital transformation, companies looking at a new way to work in order to keep up with the speed of digital today, department by department. But we also believe that over time, probably a three to five year horizon, companies are truly going to be looking at where does their work live? Do they have an operational system of record to handle the work across their enterprise? So we're really focused on what's here and happening today, but we also have to focus on the larger change inside large enterprises. And so our investments are both from a longer term category creation and awareness building. Done right is a component of that that I'll talk about in a second. But we also do go in and focus on specific business processes and areas in which we can make a difference today in helping our customers work better and smarter. So Done Right is actually a book that was written by our CEO, uh, Alex Schutman, introduced the book last, late last fall. I think it came out in December. And it's really a collection of original interviews that he's done with some of our customers, as well as other leaders across a variety of industries. And it really talks about how you lead in a world that is increasingly digital and challenging. And uh, it's more practical than it is theoretical. And so the podcast is actually based on the book. You stole the words out of my mouth because I was going to say, What's great about things like that is that when you're talking about a phrase like digital transformation, which truly means a hundred different things to 100 different people, when you talk about the future of work, it is very much like the future of Ian's work is different than the future of Heidi's work. Like it, it just mentally it is. But when you hear anecdotal evidence from other people being able to do that in a way that is, you know, entertaining and informative and helps you with your career, it completely changes like how you can do those things. The problem is like there's just, especially when you're talking about like broad sweeping changes, like, you know, whether it's AI or, you know, digital transformation and these things, it's just so nebulous in the, in the listener's mind, in the person's mind that they don't know the how. And when you have practitioners on there that can explain that, it allows for that level of, you know, like anecdotal clarity that they hear the use cases of, you know, the things that they could actually take action on. 
Yeah. And, and that's why I say it's very practical. It's like a practical guide to how to leverage work to accelerate your career. Um, I love the first chapter is called Make Work Matter. And to me, that's the most important chapter. And it's really like practical advice on ensuring that your team understands the why behind their work. You know, people work so much better when they believe that their work matters. And how do you create that within your team? And how can you learn from other leaders that have done it? The book is not about Workfront as a software platform. Now, certainly our software supports these principles, but it's really about how can young leaders really operate better in today's environment? And so it's very practical advice. When you were doing this, this is one of the things that, you know, we, we've talked about on the show a little bit about the idea of creating anchor content that you put a ton of thought and effort and energy into, and then figuring out ways to get it out there that are new, that are unique, that are exploring in depth rather than just like broad, just like putting out more stuff. I'm curious to how, you know, you thought about marketing these ideas. Yeah, so certainly this is anchor content. And it's more than just anchor content because we're certainly leveraging it in all the ways you might imagine, breaking the content into little pieces, using that as part of our demand generation programs, developing webinars, in-person events, podcasts, all those things that you might imagine based on that anchor content. But we've actually gone farther than that. And we're developing with the University of Utah a set of curriculum around the done right concepts. Um, because the idea here is the world is changing at a very quick pace and those young leaders coming out of university need different tools for how they manage in this new world. And so, so we partnered with the University of Utah and are developing a set of curriculum that we expect to extend more broadly as a part of this movement, if you will. So it's anchor content for sure in all the, all the things that you talked about, but it's more than that. Yeah. I love that. And you know, it helps to have your CEO involved, right? Like it helps to have the, the senior leader of the organization being dialed in. Yeah. Well, certainly it's, it is a passion of Alex Schutman and this is not the first book that he's written. So I will also share that when he and I were at Eloqua, he also wrote a book uh, with one of the co-founders of Eloqua called uh, Revenue Performance Management. And so he is, I, I would say he's a passionate author. And so this was not, this isn't an easy thing for him to decide to do. It's a hard thing to do and took quite a bit of time, but it's something that he's very passionate about. And he loves to share the knowledge that he has learned and the experiences that he has gleaned from other leaders. And so this book, and he'll, he would tell you this, if he were on this call right now, he would say, this is not my book. This is a book written by our customers because it really is. He's, he's narrating that the insights really come from customers and other leaders throughout all different industries. I want to talk a little bit about your team, your marketing team, how you build buy-in, how do you find talent? You know, the company is headquartered in Utah, so it's a little different from, you know, we don't, I'd say we're about 50-50 for Bay Area companies versus companies outside of here, just because our headquarters is in the Bay Area. But 
I'm curious, like, have you found that, you know, being able to build your team has been easier here, harder, you know, just different challenge? I would say the access to talent in the Utah, in the corridor, sort of uh, south of Salt Lake is amazing. They call it Silicon Slopes. And when you think about access to major universities, certainly University of Utah, BYU, and numerous other universities in that area, and the cost of living, there's a huge amount of talent in that Silicon Slopes corridor. And there's also a tremendous amount of growth. So the Silicon Slopes organization actually has many, many startup companies, as well as established technology companies that are putting down a footprint in that Silicon Slopes corridor. So companies like certainly Adobe has a growing presence, Workfront, Domo, Oracle has a presence, Workday has a presence. It's a growing area. It's kind of a cool emerging technology corridor that's really fun to be a part of. I also will share there's, you know, there's a challenge in in getting the right mix of talent. And one of the things that I have done is I've hired folks inside of Utah. I've also hired a lot of people who are based remotely because today that's how work gets done. You know, I'm part of a remote workforce. I spend a lot of time in the Lehigh, Utah area, but I I live in, in the California Bay or in the San Francisco Bay area. And I've added people to the team based on expertise that we needed that are based in Seattle, based in Austin, based in uh, the Bay Area. And so it's really, to me, it's less about location and more about ensuring that you have the right mix of skills and talent. Speaking of talent, you wrote a blog post that was great, that got a ton of engagement called To My 20-somethings Entering the Workforce, Mom Really Does Know Best. We all know that mom knows best, but sometimes we don't listen to mom. Sometimes my mom used to have to stand in front of the TV between me and the TV so that she could, so that I would pay attention. And she would probably argue that I still don't pay attention very well. But why did you write this article and why did you think that it was important to be able to advise not only uh, your two amazing children, but the the 20-somethings in the workforce? You know, actually, so thank you, first of all, for reading it. It truly was a heartfelt exercise that I went through because I have two kids that, you know, were really entering the workforce and were really going into marketing and technology and really into the space that I had a lot of experience in. And, you know, over the dinner table, they don't really want to hear their advice from their mom. Like they really don't. And so I really did write it as a gift for them because I thought perhaps this would be a better way to do it. I am certain that both my children were mortified that I did it. And at the same time, I do think it's very valuable and has resonated with so many folks, certainly my kids, but their friends and other 20-somethings. I've gotten tons of messages from people saying, I printed this out and put it under my 20-somethings door because I wanted him or her to read it. And it was really a heartfelt exercise. And so it's really like a gift because, you know, they don't, they don't want to sit around the dinner table and talk about, you know, mom's experience. And that's the quickest way to get them to, to turn off. But 
if I wrote it down, it would be there. And when they were ready, they could spend time with it. So it was really a heartfelt exercise and essentially directed at my two children, but certainly had a broader impact. Well, 210 comments uh, on a LinkedIn post is either you're terrified of what those say, and it wasn't that way. It was a lot of people offering really cool stuff. My one piece of feedback, though, I do have to say, I needed real photos. I needed photos of the kiddos to really mortify them if you had thrown the like, you know, covered in popsicle slime and, and all that stuff. It would have been it would have been truly, truly something they had to they had to uh, to be scared of. But uh, no, well, it, it was great. well, I think they would have certainly Ian, be, been completely mortified at that point. Before we get into the lightning round, I want to touch on a few of your favorite campaigns that you've done in your career or your favorite learning experiences, both equally valuable. Do you have any particular favorites that stood out over the years? I certainly have one. It goes back a number of years that, that comes to mind immediately, which was during a time that I worked on the advertising agency side during the database wars, Informix, Sybase, and Oracle. And yeah. one of the things I got to work on that was so fun was the 101 billboard campaign of Oracle in the rearview mirror. It was for Informix and it created such a stir and was really a turning point as far as technology advertising. Cause at that point, technology advertising was mostly in the industry trades and people didn't pay much attention. And when that billboard went up with Oracle in the rear view mirror from Informix, it really started to change the game on technology and the impact that advertising campaigns could have on the technology industry versus just speeds and feeds. You know, I'd be, it's, it's funny. We, we talked to Alexandra Morehouse, who was one of the ones who signed Steph Curry when she was at Kaiser Permanente, like early days. I'm curious to like, I've always thought about that Oracle Arena sponsorship, which had to be just brutal in the early years when the Warriors were horrible and how big of a sponsorship that was at the time for a tech company, like for an enterprise tech company to sponsor something like an arena. I'm sure they got a ridiculously good deal on it because the Warriors were, were terrible. But yeah, it's, it just made me think of that. Yeah, it was definitely a, certainly a good investment. And increase the profile of Oracle and of technology in the Bay Area. I mean, that's sort of all of those investments changed the landscape for tech. And so it's fun to have been a part of some of those decisions. And I would say on the lessons learned, there are a lot of them, but one that comes to mind immediately is the importance of brand, especially in certain times and it's a story specifically related to PeopleSoft. And uh, during the hostile takeover of PeopleSoft by Oracle, right in the middle of that 19-month period where it was just a battle every day, our PeopleSoft facilities team made a decision to clean our sign on the outside of the building. Now, they would never ask the marketing team whether or not they should do that. Yeah. But it was a huge deal and ended up on the front page of the Wall Street Journal saying, has Oracle taken over PeopleSoft? We all know how that story ended, but at that time, it had nothing to do with Oracle taking over PeopleSoft. It had to do with cleaning a sign. And so the impact of things like that that just get misconstrued, you know, even with the best intentions, 
is fascinating. So that would be a, a lesson learned. Yeah. And you know, it's funny, people always love the competitor campaigns and especially like billboard campaigns. There's something so like out there, you know, it's so in the wild and it's so like, you can't take it down tomorrow. Is there something like visceral about the competitor campaign that goes on the billboard that we just are like, this is drawing a line in the sand, like we're going after it. That is, is like a little, you know, I don't know, fun or something. Yeah, it certainly is. And I wouldn't trade today's marketing environment for that environment from, you know, 15, 20 years ago, because today we have so many more tools to allow us to do really good targeted marketing and get our products, our services in front of customers that are buying right now, which a billboard will never do, a competitive campaign likely will not do. And so to me, the evolution of marketing and the way that we can develop campaigns now today from a targeting perspective is just a completely different world. You know, I think it's funny you say that. I really feel that way about about podcasts and creating a show now where it is, it's an investment in you know, the future, right? It's like an investment in your audience. It's an investment in your customers and your prospects and like creating something that is going to last, that is like intentional. And I feel like that type of thing, like creating media for that purpose is kind of the same sort of feeling as kind of the billboard where it's like, this is our thing. We are owning this, you know, dialogue. And it's something that's going to be around a long time and going to turn heads one way or the other. And I just feel like that and then you get into all the retargeting and all the other things that go into that. But I kind of feel like there's just not a lot of things that are similar to like, you know, the back cover of the magazine or or those kind of famous out-of-home campaigns. Definitely a different world. Okay, let's get into the lightning round. These questions are fast and easy, just like marketing automation with Pardot. You can go to pardot.com slash podcast to learn more about B2B marketing on the world's number one CRM. We love Pardot. We love podcasts. They love podcasts. It's a great, great marriage. And uh, we highly recommend you check them out. These lightning round questions are fast and easy. Heidi, are you ready? I am ready. Number one, what app on your phone is the most fun? Uh, Instagram. What is your favorite book or podcast that you've read or listened to recently? Uh, done right. <laughs> a little bit of cheating, but I'll allow it. Uh, <laughs> favorite thing to cook or eat? Uh, pizza. Favorite vacation spot? Tahoe. What do you do for fun? Tahoe. <laughs> <laughs> Tahoe really is that good. It's 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 the uh, city so nice you can say it twice. What are you most excited about the future of marketing? The the people and watching the talent emerge and how smart people coming into marketing are today. I love that. That's a great answer. We don't get that one a lot. That's a good one. What is your best advice for a first time CMO? Uh, develop your network. Last question. What do you never get asked that you wish you were asked more often? About my dogs. No one <laughs> asked me about my dog. Well, what, what do you got? 
I have two dogs. I have a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel and a half Cavalier half Bichon. And Ooh. they're very, they're very naughty and usually bad during a podcast, but they were good. Yeah. They're just, they were, they were enthralled as was I, as were our listeners. Heidi, thanks so much. This has been awesome. We encourage our listeners go check out Workfront if you want to improve how you work and uh, anything else anything final things to plug or anything we missed no just thank you for for the time it was great to participate yeah it was great having you and, and we'll talk again real soon sounds great thanks for listening to this episode of marketing trends marketing trends is brought to you by salesforce pardot World-class B2B marketers use Pardot to generate and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI at every stage of the sales cycle. Empower your marketing team to become revenue-generating superheroes, and let Pardot's data analysis keep an eye on the bottom line. Learn more by visiting pardot.com podcast, or click on the link in our show notes. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.